0: All right, as you can probably tell, um, my voice is not great. My voice is not great, but um, it is good enough to do the children's message, and so that's what we're going to do today. So because it is Fifth Sunday, and we love having our kids in here once every few months with us for the message, um, we're going to do a kid's message here. So if you are a kid, and you want to come up, I have a little message for us. You get a fruit snack, I see you. Fruit snack, you're going to play a game, so come on up real quick. If you're a kid and you want to join us for the kids' message, we'll give you a second. I know it takes a second to build up the courage. Here we go. This way, this way. Now, if other men try and lure you with fruit snacks, it's a no-no, but this time it's okay. I promise. It's good. Yeah, you guys can sit. Why don't you come sit right here? Can you guys come sit right here, and I'll sit with you? All right. Well, let everybody get kind of situated. Yeah, oh, man, we need a bigger stage. Yeah, you guys can come here if you want. There's lots of room up here. Come in off the side. Oh, we got a lot of kids. Okay, this is great. All right. Um, Yeah, oh, you guys, hey, you can face me. Thank you. Hey, I have a question. Raise your hand if you know the answer to this. Who knows what it means to earn something? Who knows what it means to earn something? Ethan, come here. What does it mean to earn something? Can you tell everybody?
1: What it means to earn something is you did something and you
0: get something in return. That is an excellent, excellent definition. Did you want to add to that? Um, you, you, you hard work. You, you have to do something good. You know. Yeah, you got to do something good, and then you get something else. Yes. Also, if you do something, you. This kind of like this tells something and this tells the truth. Yes, that as well. Yes. So earning something means you got to do something and then you get something back, right? Like, for instance, your mommies and daddies, when they go to work, they do that so they can earn money, right? Or if you're in school, raise your hand if you're in school. Is everybody in school? When you're in school, they don't just give you grades, you got to earn a good grade, right? Or like at a play, has anybody ever seen a play before? Has anybody. You what? A play. You were in a play? What play? Uh, yeah, right here. Oh, Felice Navidad here at church? That's awesome. So you know that in a play, they don't just give the roles to anybody. You have to audition and earn it, right? You got to earn your spot. So that's how it is a lot of times in the world. We have to earn things. We're not just really giving things. That's how the world works. You got to work hard and earn things. But here's the thing. That's not how God is. But I want to, before we get to that, I want to show you with a little demonstration. Jordy, can you grab those two balloons over there? So we're going to do a quick activity with two balloons. Who is feeling really athletic and brave and coordinated today? You are feeling that way? Okay, what's your name? Ariana. Ariana, are you ready to do an activity with us? Jordy, can you bring those up here for me? You'll be my assistant. So you guys come up here. You two. Oh, no, you guys stay. Well, Ariana, you come. Sorry, that wasn't clear. All right, so Ariana, what you're gonna do is, Jordy's gonna give you these two balloons, and you gotta like, you gotta like keep them in the air for ten whole seconds, and you will earn an extra fruit snack. Does that sound good? Okay, so I'm gonna count to ten, and Jordy's gonna give them to you, and you gotta keep them in the air for ten seconds. Okay, let's try it. Ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine. Did you just grab that balloon? I don't know if it's, well, you've done about 20 seconds at this point, so I think you win. I think, give a round of applause. That was a good job. It's a really fine line between cheating and being creative, so we just skirted it right there. That was great. Well done. Yeah, so you did that, and you got to earn it, and here's the thing. Um, sometimes we have to earn things, but God tells us that we do not have to earn His love. And I want to show you a verse that demonstrates that. Who is a good reader? Who's a good reader? What about wait on the end? Who, who's a good reader down here? Eden, are you a good reader? Okay, come down here. Eden, come right here. I've got a verse I want you to read, okay? This is Galatians 3. You can hold this in your lap. This is Galatians 3, 26. So it's this verse right here with the tiny 26. You see that? Can you just read that sentence right there for me by the 26? So in Christ Jesus, you are all, all our children of God the of faith. That's good. Oh, you did it. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. High five. You did a great job. So what that means is that we are God's children, right? So let me ask you something. Do your parents ever make you earn anything? Raise your hand. What are your what are your what do your parents make you earn? Money. Really? They got you working already. What about you, Judah? Sometimes if we clean up the house, she'll give us my mom will give us snacks. Okay, so you can earn things through chores? Okay, yes. I get to stay in the house and not go outside and sleep, so I get to do chores. We're gonna talk after service about that one. Okay, one more good one. Um, we we clean up the house for like a week, then then Mama like um she adds like numbers to our account on her phone then we get toys that's a good system right there holy moly okay I know we all have good examples but those, those are good examples of earning things but what is something that your parents would never make you earn what's something they're just going to give you they're not going to make you earn it love there it is good job yes your parents are never going to make you earn oh Layla did you have something to say And also they won't give you any money if you don't do what they say. Yeah, they don't give it to you if you don't do what they say, right? That's conditional right there. But God's love is unconditional. That means you get his love no matter what. That means whether you're acting right or wrong that day, it doesn't matter. God still loves you a whole lot. And it's because of what Galatians 3.26 says, that we are his children. Because when you are somebody's child they love you no matter what, right? You don't have to earn it. But here's the funny thing, is that sometimes we do feel like we have to earn it. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever done something bad and felt like, ugh, maybe God doesn't love me quite as much? Or have you, have you done something really, really good and felt like, oh, maybe God loves me more today? Have you ever felt like that? I think that sometimes, but that's not right because God loves us all equally all the time as much as he can, and so there's nothing we can do to make him love us more or less. Okay, yes. Good thought. Does he still love us when we're sleeping? That's a deep question that I was not prepared for. Um, but yes, of course he does. When we're sleeping, he loves us no matter what. Okay, Leela, last thought, and then we got to wrap up. And also he loves us because we do things for him. Yeah, when we do things for him, it brings him glory, and he does love us. But even if we don't, he still loves us because it's about who you are, not what you do, that makes God love you. Remember that? Very good. We're gonna read this verse one more time, and then we're gonna go. So I'm gonna read it, or Eden, do you want to try it one more time? Okay, Galatians three twenty-six. Now you got it, girl. So the twenty-six is right here. Uh, did you? Ch- we're in First Corinthians. What are you doing? You read an extra? Okay, the twenty-six is right here. So you read that verse for us one more time. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That's perfect. Very good. Can you guys give these kids a round of applause? They did so well. Good job. So remember that. You are children of God, and you are loved because of who you are, not what you do, right? You guys can grab a fruit snack and then head back. And if you won the game, then you get two fruit snacks. Or if I'm not looking, you also get two fruit snacks. Hey, we had budget cuts this year. I was kidding about those, too. All right. So my voice did not allow me to speak for the whole message. Luckily, I got to do that, but I'm still on the mend from some focal cord ailments. So we brought in a professional today, and we have John Sapp with us. So, John, if you would join us up here. John pastored us um, through our interim period a few years ago between Al and Garen, and he is beloved by many of you. Some of you who are newer don't know John. Yeah. Um, but that's to your detriment because he is, he is great. So we're so grateful for John being here and teaching today. So John, it's all yours. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And good morning church family. Uh, it's been so, I mean, I got this phone call right before the weekend about coming to get to be with you and I'm glad that I was available because to get to come and see this church again, you all encourage my heart for a number of reasons, but first of all, Uh, just to come and see faces and kind of catch up on relationships. Um, So I'm going to tell you, I don't know if I call this a secret, but I'm going to call it a reality. I don't know what in the world you here at 12th Avenue are drinking, but it's working. Because as I got here, I've seen several people that as I look at them, I say, you're younger than when I was here four years ago. I'm older, but you're younger. (laughs) So it's just good to be back. And uh, what I wanted to share with you this morning is from the book of 2 Timothy. So if you've got your Bibles, let's open them up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, the thought, the idea that uh, God had put on my heart uh, just this weekend was about Paul's relationship with Timothy and about being strengthened. You know, it was great to worship selection today. I mean, we didn't talk to each other at all about what I was going to be sharing or what they were going to be singing, leading us in. But that first song about God's awesomeness or the awesomeness that we face in just our day-to-day lives is real. I don't know about you, but the last couple of weeks, uh, one, I caught the virus. Uh, you know, we, we didn't catch COVID. We, we didn't catch it here in America. But uh, a year ago right now, we were in Africa. We took our family back, did that bucket list trip, 14 of us go back to Nairobi, where we, we lived in Africa for 28 years, and uh, so got to take grandkids. That was a big, big deal. Take the grandkids to see where their mom or their dad grew up. And guess what? The ones from Central Asia, because we have two kids, a son who's in Manhattan, a daughter who's overseas in Central Asia her kids got to see where their mama grew up. And the big phrase was, you lived in luxury. And so that was, number one, that was good for my other grandkids from America to see that what's in Kenya is compared to luxury compared to where the other family of grandkids live. But these past months have just been filled with different experiences that have been, you know, overpowering overwhelming. And as I was preparing to be with you today, I went back to the book of 2 Timothy because I like last messages. This is the last book Paul writes. Paul's in prison. In fact, he's been sentenced to execution. He knows that this is, it's over. He says, I've run the good race. I've fought the good fight. I'm at the end. And he's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. And so where we're going to start is not chapter 1, we're going to take chapter 1 apart, but Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 is what I wanted to get us open. And so with God's Word, one of my habits when I speak with churches is I'd like to ask you to stand in respect of God's Word. I'm going to read just one verse today, but uh, it'll introduce us, get us started on what Paul wants us to consider and so 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says this, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you that you want us to know more and more about the goodness, the gift of your desiring relationship with us, your grace that's been poured out on us. And Father, as we live in a very overwhelming uh, world that there's just so much that just seems to keep coming at us of a broken culture, a broken world where uh, people are hurting and we get overpowered, you want us to discover the strength that you give us to live day by day. And I pray that you would use your word, you'd use your spirit in our hearts to remind us of the goodness of knowing you. For it's in your son's name we pray, amen. Y'all be seated. As I said, last things are kind of important to me. And as I, you know, it's been four years, four years ago. You know, when I thought about it, man, time has flown since I was here on the Sunday where we turned uh, the pastorate over to your good pastor, Garen. That was, can you believe that? That's four years ago. In those four years, we faced some really Monumentous, we faced overpowering examples of life that's come at us. First of all, my sister—I lost my sister to COVID. She was down in Wichita. She caught COVID on Sunday, and by Thursday, she was gone. Now she was in hospice, but uh, she had pre-existing conditions. But that just tells you—and I'm sure everybody in this room—you know people that uh, we've lost. You know, they're now with the Lord. They—they're not with us. Another one was good friends that. Uh, are now with the lord for example when i was in africa i followed the leader that was responsible for the part of africa that i was responsible for john john faulkner john followed me and then the guy that i turned it over to both of them have passed away and one of them is just a few years younger than i am but uh, he was out playing golf on the third green and had a heart attack knowing that we have no reason why he's very healthy but passed away on the golf green. John Faulkner, uh, he got a medical diagnosis and in just two weeks after he learned that, he was gone. So relationships are significant, especially with last words. And that's what we have in the book of 2 Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy the lessons that he's learned and how he wants to encourage, equip, Walk alongside of Timothy, though he's not there, he wants him to have his insight about how to live. There's other places in the Bible we find that. The last part of the book of Genesis, I mean, we all know Genesis, the beginning, in the beginning God created, and it covers like a thousand years, thousands of years from creation to where we have Jacob, at the very end of Genesis, talking to his sons. And he's blessing them, he's telling them, What's going to happen? They're in Egypt, and they're slaves, and he's preparing to die, and he gives the last message to his children. Then we get the book of Deuteronomy. So you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they called the Pentateuch, those five books. And guess what ends the book of Deuteronomy? It's Moses. Now, if you read, and by the way, I just challenge you to look at the last part of Genesis, have a look at it. But then compare the end of Genesis to the end of Deuteronomy, (laughs) Moses talks a whole lot more. It's about three chapters, but what he does is the very same thing. He blesses, he speaks, and he also challenges the children of Israel as they're preparing to go into the promised land. Now Moses, God had used him to get the. I mean, that's Exodus, that's where we see God use him in a mighty way to, to... get the children of Israel out of slavery into the wilderness where they get God meeting with them on, the, on Mount Sinai and then telling them, I've got a land that's 11 days away. I'm going to take you and get you into that land. What happens? They sin. They say, no, we don't. We send spies. Oh, we're scared of the giants and what we see. And so then 40 years, 11-day journey turns into 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And guess what God does? Even though they're sinful people, even though they've rebelled against Him, and they keep rebelling, He provides for them. He provides food. And he, we sang about it today. He provides streams in the desert. And that was part of Moses' issue. Moses has is kind of had a gutful of taking care of these people, and God told him, okay, go out there. They need water. Go out there and speak. Speak to the rock, and I'll provide water. And what does Moses do? He goes out there, and he takes the rod of God and whack. He whacks the rock, and water comes out. God does what he says, but then God says, you have dishonored me. I told you what to do, and you have shown your glory, not my glory. And so, Moses, you will not enter the promised land. And so you get the end in Deuteronomy. You get his message. And Moses tells us. He says, I sinned. That's why I'm standing on this mountain looking into the promised land and I'm telling all the children what they need to do when they cross over. And so last words are important. And what I want to just leave you, the last words of Jesus, I believe, are found. And We know the ones on the cross. But John chapter 17, it's where the sound of the soldier's On the gravel coming to get him at the Garden of Gethsemane, they're already coming. And Jesus is praying, and we get John 17, which is his last words over those disciples. Judas is with the soldiers coming. He's praying for them, not for Judas. And he's also praying for us. So that set of last words are definitely worth having a look at. John chapter 17. So the end of Genesis, the end of Deuteronomy, and John chapter 17 all are the same of what I want to talk about today, which is 2 Timothy chapter 1. And so as we get started, where Paul says in chapter 2, he says, you then, my son, I want you to be strengthened. Timothy, I'm in jail. I've been in in prison twice in Rome. First time they locked me up, and then they gave me some freedom. I was under house arrest. I got to write letters. I got to see the church in Rome. I got to encourage them. But now it's not that way. Timothy, I am imprisoned, and I know the end is coming. So you then, you be strengthened, and I want to pass on some of the lessons I've learned. And that is chapter one. And so the first thing about being strengthened that Paul wants to pass on is the gift of strengthening relationships. So let's look in chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Here's what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, first of all, I thank God. I'm thankful. Whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you, Timothy, you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see that I might be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. He starts talking about relationships that are helpful, strengthening. What's interesting is I'm going to talk to you about six relationships five of the people that we're going to hear named out of chapter 1 are only found in 2 Timothy 1, one time in the whole Bible. And that encourages me because what that means is Paul is dealing with another person close enough that he's remembering significant experiences that he had with Timothy to remind him of God's presence and goodness. So first of all, he says, I constantly remember you day and night as I remember your tears. Now, church family, I just just preparing for this, I, I don't know if it's what it is, but let's look together in Acts chapter 16. That's where we meet Timothy. Paul, just a little background story. You know, Paul's a missionary. He leaves from Antioch. He goes and he goes to different villages, towns. In present-day Turkey, he gets to Lystra, and God really blesses, and he, he sees people believing, and then they the Judaizers, the ones that don't like Paul's message, come, and they talk the town into stoning Paul. So they take Paul outside the village, and they stone him enough that he's left for dead. Now you think about what does left for dead look like? That's called a bloody mess. And he's unconscious. He's on the ground. And out come the disciples, stand around him. And here's what Paul does. He gets up. We don't know if he was dead and resurrected. Acts, Luke doesn't tell us. But we do know he was left for dead. He gets up. And what does he do? He goes back into town. Now, first of all, that tells you what kind of man this guy is. You're talking about strengthened. If somebody stoned me and left me for dead, I don't think I'm going back into town. But he did. He goes back into town, and then he goes on to the town of Derby. That's the first missionary journey. He comes back, journey number two. That's Acts 16.1. I got to get to it in my Bible, because it's not on the overhead. And here's what Luke gives us in Acts 16.1. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by all the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of, for, because of the Jews who were in those places. Tears? I don't know about you, but this is a young man. We're not talking children. We're talking a man old enough and submitted to what Paul believed was necessary to have a good testimony in the community. He's not saved because of that, but that's a price he paid. So Paul just knows, Timothy, you and I have been together through some really, really, really difficult experiences, and I do remember the tears that you shared. So just the depth of relationship he has in his heart for Timothy. And then he remembers his mother, and he remembers his grandmother, who were in that village, helping him grow and mature. And so, the strengthening of God's spirit in relationships that every one of us, have. you know, one of the gifts, I'm getting to be an old man. It was over, okay, Emporia State, I think this is a bunch of Emporia State, right? Yeah. Go. Yeah, go, Horns. That it, is, go, Horns. Yeah, okay, here we go. It was 51 years ago. I was at the university, dorm floor, Moore Hall, 303, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I came to know the Lord. And if it wouldn't have been for relationships with college students that I began to meet men my own age that knew enough to talk to me about what they had learned, they passed on to me. So I've been around a little bit and know a little bit about college ministry. But I want you to know. I keep discovering or remembering relationships that have got significance. So, in the last few months, Betty James, a Sunday school teacher in Hoxie, Kansas, where I grew up, around probably my second or third grade year, it, I remembered Betty's ministry. Now, I'm just a kid. There's five or six of us boys. Her son was not my friend. <laughs> Her son picked on me real regular, but we'd get circled up in the little church and Betty James would teach us the Bible. Now, what happened, I was a little time boy, I don't I don't remember a thing that she tried to teach, but what I do remember now is her heart and her her being convinced of the impact of God's word on her life that she was passing on to little kids. Now, I'm grateful for Betty James. Betty's with the Lord. I got to have a conversation with Betty a few years ago in Colby with a... Christian Challenge that was out there at Colby Juco. And Betty came to be with those kids. I mean, we're talking. It was a gift to see Betty. And so she's just one of the relationships that God has brought into my life. There's That's one of the reasons I'm glad to be back in this church. I mean, the eight or nine months I was here at 12th Avenue working with significant leaders as you were going through who's your next pastor. Those are great memories for me. And Paul says those memories can strengthen you, Timothy. Be strong. Be strengthened by what I've given you. And so he mentions, Timothy, you you strengthen me. Your mama and your grandma, their faith, those are encouraging to me. But not only is Timothy, I mean, is Paul honest, he's also realistic. Because later on in chapter 1, guess what we're going to see? He's His realistic response to relationships, because down in verse 15 of chapter 1, look what he says. For Timothy, you're aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. Now, I don't know about you, probably more of you in this room live in the real world. My dear wife, I love her. She tells me this real regular, I wear rose-colored lenses. I look at life and it's not real. I see a different world out there. You know, the flowers and the little rainbow over there. <laughs> Life's just good. And then she'll remind me, no, no, no. And then now I'm reminded, no, there's some really bad things that have gone on and that I've experienced. Well, Paul is in that world. I mean, he says, I'm locked up in Rome. And Timothy, you've heard that all of them from Asia abandoned me among who Timothy had to know them. They're only mentioned once. This is the only place they are in the whole Bible. Two guys, Hermogenes and Fagellus. But you know what? He only gives them one verse because look at what he goes on to the very next verse, verse 16. He goes on to another person. He says, But may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. And he wasn't ashamed of my chains. And when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me, and he found me. And may the Lord grant him mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know well all the service he rendered in Ephesus. Another relationship. So when he says, everybody deserted me, and then he says, oh, yeah, that's right. Onesiphorus didn't. And oh, by the way, Onesiphorus, God's grace in his life, he, he came to Rome. He was not ashamed of where I was. He searched for me. You know how hard to search in the city of Rome? We're talking, wish I knew the number, a lot of people, okay? A lot of people are in Rome at that time. He searches the prisons and he finds Paul. He comes and brings him food. He refreshes him. And the way this is written, you know what it cost him? We think it cost him his life because he was executed for coming to find another follower of and so relationships that God gives us as a gift can be part of what strengthens us. And so I just want to challenge you. It was interesting in the first service, one of the one of the leaders came up to me and he says, You know, John, you talked about Betty. And then he told me a story of a Betty right here in Emporia that many, many years, 30 years ago or more, a Betty blessed his life. Every one of us have got stories. And Paul says, remember, let God's grace in their lives be an encouragement to you. We don't live in a silo. And so the first thing of what strengthens us is the relationship we have with the people that God brings into our lives to help us discover more about Him or see in their lives God's grace as but that's not the only thing. He goes on to the second thing of his presence in our life that can strengthen us is in verse 10. Verse 10, 2 Timothy 1.10 says, The appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. One verse. You know, you could write a whole book on that. And by the way, he did it's called the book of Romans, where Paul takes all of the book of Romans to take and explain one verse, that the goodness of God, God's grace, is first of all, He came to abolish death. You know, in Romans, we know in Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. know, this has been going on a long time. I don't know if you remember the story, but there was a garden. God had... Humanity, man and a woman in a garden. And he gave them only one command. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No, you can have everything else. Look at everything I've made in this garden. I've provided it for you. Enjoy. It's for you. And I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And I want you to subdue the earth. I've, you've got a job. You've got provision. I love you. I'm with you. But don't eat that tree guess what? There was a snake. The voice of that snake, he's a deceiver. And if we read back in Genesis 3, you hear him questioning, is that really true? You know, if you eat of that fruit, you'll be like God. And so we begin to get the wages of what? Of sin is death. And it happened. Mankind, and ever since that day, we've all done it. We've all been tempted, or we've all heard the deceptive ideas of a deceiver. You know, he can't make a sin. He couldn't make, he couldn't make Eve do it, but he could sure deceive her, get her to think about, huh? Is that really true? I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe it's right. Maybe I can know the the difference between good and evil. Maybe I maybe I can be like God. Maybe he's right. And so that deceptive idea that plays into disordered desire. So instead of the desire of saying, no, I trust what God said. I don't need that. I, I need, my desire is to be obedient and trust him. He'll teach me the difference between good and evil. I don't have to listen to you. But that isn't what happened. And that isn't what happens to all of us. The deceptive ideas of the deceiver play into our disordered desires that then get normalized in a sinful society. That little phrase, let me tell you where I got it. I got it from John Comer in his book, Live No Lie. And that little phrase has helped me just recognize the deceptive ideas that get shot at me. And learning to take our thoughts captive. But what God has wanted to do, we just get one verse, that God's plan was to abolish death. Death death is the wage, is the result. Thank you, Jordan. Well, Jordan's right here somewhere. But Jordan, you did a great job of talking about what we earn and what's a gift because Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin, sin pays a wage. It's not God who's doing it. Sin's the one who's paying us death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You've got the battle. You've got the wages of sin. You've got the free gift of God. And we get to decide who are we going to listen to. And so Paul, in one verse, in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, reminds us that what God has brought us is he abolished death. Only He can do that. We can't do it. He can. He abolished death and He brought to us life and immortality. That truth is the second strengthener. And so as, I don't know about you, but I tell you, we live in a broken world. You know what I said? Deceptive ideas that fly into, play into disorder, desires that are normalized in a sinful society. You just this weekend, maybe it was last night or the night before, I heard a little bit more of the story of the first grader that shot the teacher. Isn't that Virginia? Isn't that where that happened? And evidently, the little boy had the gun in his pocket and he carried it into the room and shot his teacher in the chest. So, the other little first graders, you know, saw her fall. They're, that testimony is now out there this week about what really happened. And so, just the deceitful idea that got played into a first grader where he thinks the solution to my problem is this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have something better. And it's all around us. And so the strengthening, now this is by faith. I want to challenge you. I, I want to believe it. I'm believing it every day I can that God abolishes death. I mean, I'm hearing about death, I'm watching death. I'm living in a death-filled world, but yet he says he's abolishing it and he's bringing life. I can have life today. Jesus said that, John 10.10. 10, I've come that you can have life. That's why I'm here, and have it abundantly. That's our second strengthener as Paul is kind of pouring his heart out to encourage Timothy. And in the, the final is down in verse 7. There's two. In 2 Timothy one seven, Paul says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. You know, fear. I don't know about you. Oh, Priscilla and I don't fear all the time. We got all kinds. Of, you know, fear of COVID. Uh, this little virus that I had now three weeks ago. I mean, I... Living with it. But the the results of your disease. There's there's all kind of in fact somebody told me the news channels, you know what they live on? What they get? It's fear. They want to sell us fear, so we'll watch and we'll listen to crazy commercials, and somebody's trying to sell me something else while I'm being fed on fear. That's not from God. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of three things. First of all, a spirit of power. God's power, you know where that power plays in my life, is the ability to say no. So those deceitful ideas, they come into your head. To be able to look at it, take that thought captive and say, no, that's not right. So I live in this same culture you do. I'm not doing, good, I'm not doing real well at it because, you know, the cancel culture thing and what's going on about gender and what's going on about marriage. I've got some very, very, very strong personal beliefs about who defined that and what that means. But I also live in a world where people don't like or agree with what I believe. So I'm at the grocery store just last week, a few days ago. I'm mailing a birthday present, and I'm standing in line, and up To the counter behind, that worked in the grocery store, comes a person that is dressed different than what I think they were born. In fact, the eyelashes, and I couldn't believe how much ink and paint is on the eyes, and just the makeup and the the dress. And so I began to have kind of some... And as I'm sitting here thinking about that person, the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart. Now, I know who's talking, because He says, you know, in my heart, I I don't hear in the words, but this is... It's close enough, I know what he's saying to me. Is John, I know that person. John, I love that person. John, I'm the one that's talking to that person. And do you believe me? Will you pray for me to do the work that I do to help people discover me? Now I'm telling you, that was a total different thought than I had, but the Holy Spirit gives power to change your mind to say no to identify oh no those condemning or that that thought process is going on as i saw the person was not pray for them and you know what a story i'll guarantee you that that person has got a story that's worth listening to to get to what they are today what they want to do today something has happened in their lives to cause them to make decisions and you know, I don't know the story, and I'm not in a place. I don't know if I ever see that person again. It was, you know, v grocery store where they're selling stamps, and you know, I don't go there very often. But the fact of the power of the Holy Spirit convicting me of what's right and what is wrong, that is a strengthener. I can trust Him to speak to my heart as if I continue to say yes, okay, yes, I'll, I'll yes, I'll listen. Secondly. The Spirit, God's given us is a Spirit of love. That's a great example right there. For God so loved the world, the broken, sinful world that He gave. You know, I just have... Well, I've been not away from you, but I've been studying the Old Testament, first five books, and I didn't catch before that when God came to Mount Sinai to talk to Moses, Guess who moved first? It's not Moses going to him. It's God coming to Moses. God is coming to be in the very center of a sinful group of people that rebel again and again and again. And he says, I am with you. This is how you live. By the way, I'm a very dangerous God. I'm going to tell you how I want you to live. You don't live that way. Things can happen. Like the earth can open up and swallow people. Like snakes can bite you and you can die. But I am with you. And listen to me, I'll tell you how to please me, I've chosen to be with you. Well, guess what? That's still going on today. He's chosen to be here. I believe the Lord's in this church. I mean, I just love it. Another thing I love about coming to 12th Avenue is that. I just, I can get emotional because I know stories and those flags represent and that this church has got a vision that's bigger than this room. And that's what God's got on his heart is every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. And for us to join him in thinking about how he loves the diversity of humanity, he loves them enough to draw him to himself, to bring glory to a loving Heavenly Father that has created humanity in all of its diversity, you know who we are. So the strengthening of his... Power, the strengthening of His love, and finally, the strengthening of His self-control. I love that Greek word because you can't, uh, there's three ways to say it. You can say He gave us the spirit of self-control, He gave us the spirit of discipline, and He gave us the spirit of a sound mind. And what I believe that summarizes up is as we look, as we see the broken world around us, His spirit helps define reality. What happened to me in the highway grocery store? Is it For me, it's one of those strengthening examples. I can trust Him. He'll give me insight out of His Word. And by the way, this is where we find it. You know, spending time in His Word, letting His Spirit use His words to speak to our heart about His desire for relationship with you. That is what Paul is trying to pass on to Timothy. And so, as we review as we think about what is in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that leads Paul to say in the very next verse, you then, my son, be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And by the way, here's a whole chapter of where I've experienced his grace, his grace in the relationships that he's brought to me that are around my life that, you know, I didn't know you, Timothy. I show up in Lister, and there is your mama and your grandma. And you are an encouragement. What are you doing with the relationships? You know, t- maybe today, maybe this week. I just challenge you. Is there an email, a phone call, a text message that you need to send to somebody to say thank you? Thank you for what you've done, who you are in my life. I think it it'll pay dividends. Secondly, are you are you thinking about, are you spending time listening to God talk to you about His abolishing death? We live in a death-filled world. I mean, I can't believe the news. We're in January, end of January, and the number of mass shootings, I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's more than one a day. Death. It's around us, and I know where the author, who the author of death is. But He wants, the Lord has called me, and you, To live in this death-filled world because he's the one that abolishes it and brings life. So I want to live in life. I want to say goodbye to death, but I trust him. And so is that strengthening to you? And then finally, learning to walk in his spirit. Learning to hear by spending time in his word regularly, little bits, you know, what are you doing? Today, in fact, this morning, one of the guys in the first service came up and says, "You know what I've done now is I have an app." He told me the name of it, and I didn't know that one, but he says, "I start the day in my bed listening to this Bible reading, little tiny bit for the day, and I'm making the decision. I'm walking with you today. What are we doing? You know are you spending there's so many ways to do. It. I mean, Paul didn't get an app. There's no way. Paul had an Say, Hey, Timothy, plug into the YouTube you know Bible app. He didn't get that, but he's talking to him, Timothy, I want you to be strengthened in the grace of Jesus Christ because it'll carry you through. So church, I want to ask you to stand up as we enter time. Like I said, it's a gift to come to be I consider you a gift to know the people of Twelfth Avenue to get a chance to come back. Thank you where Jordan's at? Glad you had a sore throat, buddy. I got to come back and see a few home folks. And, you know, as as you live this week, be strengthened by the gift of God, the relationships that He's brought around your life for a reason. For His, the truth of the good news that He abolishes death and brings life and immortality as a gift to us. And for the presence of His Spirit, be strengthened. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the God of life, that you breathed life into us, that we were dirt, and you breathed into and created life. And Father, we know that the sin, the wages of sin is death that's around us in so many ways. But Father, I pray that you'd continue to strengthen us, to know you better, to hear your voice clearer and to walk with you closer. And Father, I thank you for this church, the way you're using them to touch the nations and Emporia and the university. And Father, use them for your glory, not theirs. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. And as I like to end, as we walk out of this place, go be the church.